So many people want to blame everything on porn. They're like, porn is the bad thing. Porn is why everything is fucked up in our society. Why there's all this, this systemic violence towards women. I don't believe them. Honestly, porn is a mirror of our values as a society. And all these values, they are in our society. And what we see in porn is a reflection of that. Hi, and welcome to Feeling Yourself, the podcast that encourages you to shed your shame. I'm Natalie Lee, and like most of us, shame has followed me around for most of my life. Now I'm on a journey to sexual freedom, and I want you to join me. Each week, I'll be speaking to you and some incredible guests about the themes in my book, Feeling Myself. From masturbation to motherhood, from trauma to porn, I want us to dig deep and find our true voice in a world that shames us and that certainly doesn't make our pleasure a priority. Now let's release the shame and get you feeling yourself. Erica Lust is creating a new world of indie adult cinema with companies such as X Confessions, Lust Cinema, Else Cinema. Since 2004, you've been making porn and you're a pioneer in the adult film industry that goes beyond traditional gender roles and tired stereotypes, which is what I love about what you produce. Do you think that's an accurate description? Is there anything else you would like to, how would you describe yourself? Oh, that's always difficult. Uh, well, I, I normally I say I'm depends a little on the context, to be honest. Sometimes, you know, I say, yes, I'm a porn filmmaker. Sometimes I go more like I'm an erotic filmmaker. Sometimes I say I'm an indie adult um director depends on 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 the people i'm talking to because when we are talking about porn there are so many people with ideas about what porn means and most of them when they are thinking about porn they are thinking about the the online tube sites that's their vision of porn so when you want to come across and tell them kind of that there's lots of different kinds of porn out there you cannot do that just in a sentence but you need at least a minute yes that's exactly you're you're so right in that but is there anything else other than the porn film director title because I also know you're an author too which I've just discovered um and obviously a speaker is there anything else you would like people to know about you well, you know, this is this is like anyone. I am so many things at the same time. I mean, I am a person. I am a woman. I identify <laughs> as a woman. I am a feminist. I am a mother. I am a lover. I am, you know, lots of, of, of different things, obviously. Uh, and I'm um, an entrepreneur. I mean, the way we really have uh, created uh, this company has taken lots of energy and lots 
lots of time. And I think that many people kind of, when they, when they think about me, they think that I'm always on a film set and that I'm always making films. And, and that's not really true because most of my time I'm in an office and I'm, you know, having meetings and I'm discussing uh, online sites and promotions and, and press and media and what we're going to do and how it's going to work and financial planning. And I mean, there's so many bits to having a company, really. So, yeah. There is. There is so much to have in a company. Who knew all the different roles and skills you'd need? It is it's relentless and especially when it's your passion because it's really hard to switch off I find anyway I want to read a little extract of my book and then that will lead us into our discussion I thought porn acted as a necessary guide because I had no idea what I was doing it taught me how to put on a good show I flung my long, straight, chemically straightened hair around, arched my back, scratched and screamed and repeated the phrases the porn stars used. I writhed around as if my body was somehow being taken over by the women on the screen. I viewed sex like a performance and I was in the starring role. Each time Jack finished, I felt like I deserved a standing ovation. I thought the biggest sign of good sex was how well you played the role, rather than whether you actually liked it. Um, amazing. I, ha- I have ghost bumps on my arms. I mean, the- <laughs> I-, I think so many, so many women can identify with what you just read to us. I mean... Uh- this is this is how it is. This is how most people start their sexual journey, kind of watching porn and then trying to reproduce it in their own lives. And as so many, so many people don't have access to good sex education, they don't know that porn is an exaggerated fiction of sex, but it's not the same as sex. So they think that what they've seen on most of these tube sites online, four minutes of very hard penetration, and then suddenly she comes, you know, in this wonderful orgasm that, I mean, we know that most of them are fake, obviously, but if you are young and you don't, you, you haven't had that experience, maybe you don't know that. And I think it's really, really important to talk to young women and to just explain to them that, you know, vaginal vaginal orgasms are difficult to make them happen. You normally need some clitoral stimulation to come. That's the reality. And that's what so many young women are missing out on. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know what a clitoris was. I didn't know where it was, even, you know, as an adult. And I think I was severely shortchanged in my sexual education. And I'm a little bit angry about that. But let me ask you, I ask all of my guests to bring something that makes them feel yourself. What did you bring to our chat today? 
Well, I, I, I was doubting a lot. <laughs> I was very hard with myself saying, it needs to be good. You need to think about something. And then I was going through, you know, hundreds of, of different objects, having a very hard time. Oh, to my decide. God. I'm so sorry. I can't. No, no, don't, don't worry. But this, this is, you know, this is just me. This is me wanting to be perfect, as so many people out there, you know. And I learned in life because now I'm 45 and, and it was harder when I was younger. But now, I know that done is better than perfect, that we need to just do shit, make stuff happen, be out there, deliver, because otherwise, how are we going to change the world? If we sit, you know, behind our computer thinking about writing the best book, hours and hours, day after day, weeks after week, etc. And there will there's no result. Well, it's not going to get out into the world. So you just have to do it. So uh, I picked up uh, a book and it's in Swedish. It's called Under the Rosa Täcket by Nina Björk. And this book, because I'm Swedish. Okay, so this book was my feminist awakening. This book I read, I think I was 17. And for me, it was the first time where I obviously had heard about feminism, but I didn't really know what it was and how it worked and how it affected the world we live in. And when I read this book, I just felt like, aha, whoa, she's putting words to my feelings. Uh, and it's about, you know, that obviously you get born uh, many times in a hospital and then the first thing they do is, are you a boy? Are you a girl? And then they choose a blanket and it's the pink blanket for the girls and it's the, the blue blanket for the boys. And that's a defying moment in our lives where society somehow decides what role we are going to play, what gender we are, what are our possibilities and opportunities in life. And it's a, it's a feminist kind of, of, of analyze on our society and on power balance and power structures and, and, and a background to feminist uh, reality. And for me, it was... It, it, it changed everything for me. It sounds groundbreaking, to be honest, because I think you're completely right. When we're born, there's so many assumptions put on us. There's so many expectations put on us. And we don't even have a fucking say in any of this. We are just like these, these little vessels who have no idea. And we don't often have a choice in these assumptions and expectations, which is a lot to put on uh, a child. That is what I love also about the porn that you make. I love that it's really, the gender roles are very wide and expansive and ever changing and fluid. And it's really taught me a lot actually about gender and, and how you have sex because a lot of people assume, well, I think from my generation, I'm 42, and a lot of people in my generation assume that sex is penis in vagina kind of sex. There is no other way. And one of the, my bugbears is, you know, the, the term foreplay. Um, I'm like, no, it's not foreplay. That's, that's, that's sex. That is just as good as penetration, if not better often. 
So, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and sometimes it's the only thing you want. Sometimes you yes. just want a bit of cuddling and being together or feeling yourself or... yeah. But but yeah, society is obsessed. It's obsessed with with penises <laughs> and the phallus symbols and penis into vagina, and that's the vision of what real sex is like. What you know, a real man should do. And when we as you know, vagina owners, we are put into the first category of you know, you should be a woman. And what is a woman? Well, you should please people. You your in sex should be to make him have pleasure to make him come so you need to work for him but it's 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 not it's not it's about us sex should be about us and 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 again i talked to so many young women telling me that when they're having sex with their boyfriends it's not working they are not reaching orgasms because they are doing what you read in the chapter, they are playing the role of the woman, the role of the porn star. They are doing the pulsing. They are pursing the lips. They are putting out their breasts. They are doing anything to be that that yes, good, the good girl. Yeah, I the good girl. Was that one of your um, one of your first um, films, The Good Girl? Yes. Yes, the good girl. Because for me, it was also this moment, you know, where I I wanted to get into this, and I had always been a good girl. Maybe, maybe in my in the secrecy of my bedroom, I hadn't been that good. <laughs> but you know, in front of the world, kind of, I had always been very, very good. You know, good student, good sister, good daughter, good, 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 good. And I think somehow I was a little tired of of being defined as such a good person because I don't I I I I still I think I still am a good person I want to be a good person I'm trying to be a good person but I think it can be a good person also being a little bad now and then right and watching out for yourself and your own rights and I had to work on that and I still have to work on that because I see that it's in my system. I mean, I am obviously, uh, even if I had my feminist awakening and I am an aware person, I study political science, I know about power structures, I know about systemic violence towards women, I am aware of all these things. But I am still a product of this society where I have grown up. So I have all those messages internalized in my body and in my brain. And and that's many times how I react. And then I kind of have to catch myself somewhere saying, but what are you doing? Why are you doing this now? Because maybe this is not 100% what you want. But it's very difficult to have that debate with yourself. And, and I find I find it also, it comes to me all the time when I'm writing scripts and proposing stories and narratives and characters, etc. That many times I, I I reproduce stereotypes myself because it's you know who I am again. And and then suddenly I read it and I go, but what would happen if I would change? the gender roles in this script? What would happen if this character would be a man instead of a woman? And would that change anything? And normally it does. It really changes the whole kind of context and how you are telling a story. So I think that what what we need a lot 
is in, in, in all media, obviously, but in sexualized media, we need a lot of people who are capable of doing this thinking, making just a, a, an easy kind of analyze of, 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 of the situation. Yeah, and critical thinking is, is exactly what we need to be doing when producing good films in the sex, sex industry. So, and so many people want to blame everything on porn. They're like, porn is the bad thing. Porn is why everything is fucked up in our society. Why there's all this, this systemic violence towards women, this fetishization of race, the sexualized teenagers, the, you know, the proposed gender roles, etc. Porn is the reason for this. I don't believe them. Honestly, porn is a mirror of our values as a society. And all these values, they are in our society. And what we see in porn is a reflection of that. That's so true. And do you know, in sort of mainstream porn, the porn that you talked about that most people think go to when they look at porn, do you know what the kind of highest sort of category searches are or what's the most sort of trending I'm it depends say- a little because it changes sometimes but normally all the stepsister stepdad stepmom categories are very popular mm-hmm. it's a lot about taboo it's a lot about kind of incest feelings etc one of the problems i think with 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 these tube sites also is the the way they are dividing all of us into categories, uh, categories based on our age group. You know, it's the mm. teens or the milfs. Mm. It's the bo- different body types. It's big breasted or big butts or or whatever. Uh, it's all the ethnicities divided, you know, into groups. It's the the Asians and the Latinas and the blacks and the you know it's it's and but the white is never it's never categorized because that's you know. That's the norm. So nobody talks about that. That's not the group by itself, kind of. I just hate the way they are. They are, you know, trying to fetishize on any possibility of of kind of who we are, you know. How do you categorize your films? How do you categorize? <laughs> well, I, I, I'm more into kind of film genres and, you know, it's comedies and it's documentaries and it's dramas and it's features and it's serious and it's short films. I, I like those kind of, of categorizations. But then it's also sometimes it has to do with, you know, because people are searching for certain things. So sometimes it's films made in France or in Spain or in the UK or in the USA or whatever or it could be, you know, outdoor sex. That is something that some people are looking for, especially in summer, for example, or, you know, different ways of, of doing it. More like like the independent uh, platforms that we see online, right? But imagine, imagine, for example, Netflix, if they would have an interracial category. How would we feel about that like a society? We would go nuts. We would be out there, you know, saying, cancel your account. This is not what we are looking for. But in porn, porn exists beyond the rest of our society. It's like it's this kind of bubble where where you can express 
values that we are not accepting at this moment in many modern countries in the world today, but in porn. It feels like some people who are going there, they might be frustrated with with a, a modernized society, with new values. And it's like in porn, they find the place where they can still be that macho man. But and it's all the whole language, you know, it's about banging and the smashing and the choking and the punish fucking and the, I mean, it's all systemic violence. What we don't know about porn, and then I think that is interesting for people to know, is that there's just kind of a handful of big companies in the porn industry. Uh, and there's one really big company called MindGeek. And this company is the owner of most of the tube sites you probably know by name. And, you know, many, and they also bought up many of the pay sites that are out there. So they kind of have the censorship on porn somehow, you know, just by occupying all this space and, and, and kind of independent companies like mine. I mean, we are really, we are a crumble of the market, even if we are growing. So, so what, what I would like to know is you mentioned that you studied political science and gender studies. How do you go from that to working in the porn industry and doing what you do? How did you get started in this? Well, uh, it's a journey, obviously, and lots of stuff happened on the way. And I, I, I guess that for me, the thoughts about porn, I already had them back at university, but as a consumer, really, I was watching porn. I was trying to figure out stuff about myself. I think that's what we all do when we watch porn, you know, what turns us on? What are other people doing? How does it work, etc.? I mean, that is kind of our approach. And then I had the feeling when I was watching porn that I did, I did like it quite a lot. I liked the feeling that my body reacted to it. I liked the feeling of feeling turned on by watching these images. I thought that that was powerful somehow. But at the same time, I had mixed feelings because my brain went like... Mm. I don't like what's happening, really. I don't like this 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 relationship that I'm seeing being played out. I don't understand why it's always about him, why the women are being so objectified, why they are being used as tools for his pleasure. Why can't I watch a story that's about her and her story and her erotic kind of, uh, I don't know, journey or happening or whatever. And then I was, many times I was talking Talking to friends about porn because I, you know, was born in Sweden, quite a liberal young woman. I had access to sex education. So for me, it wasn't something that was so shameful. I know that for many people, this is a lot more difficult than porn is very shameful and very difficult to talk about. Even sex is difficult for, for most people. But for me, it wasn't that difficult. I felt quite open about it. So I talked to my friends and found out that most of my male friends, they had a very similar kind of idea to porn, uh, they felt like it was part of their life and they were good with it. And it didn't really matter to them. They didn't think about it. They didn't have the mixed feelings that I had, but most of my female friends, they did. So it started to me, you know, as a student of political science, et cetera, started 
to smell like mm, systemic situation. Let's figure out what is going on here. So I went on and you know kept looking for more information, trying to educate myself on porn, how it worked, who's making it, etc. And then obviously I found out that most people who are making porn are men, are heterosexual white middle-aged men. They are running the industry. It's the kind of guy who are into you know kind of tits and ass and you know a cigar and a car and you know it's that kind of 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 masculinity that kind of sexuality but uh i ended up in barcelona because i was studying spanish because as a swede you know you need to learn other languages to be able to move around in the world and um i fell in love in with barcelona with the city And uh, here I kind of started to work in the film industry. At the beginning, I was just a chauffeur, really. I was a runner on set, driving actors to the airport and and to their sets and their hotels and making juices and coffees and just, you know, kind of learning how does it work on a film set. And I had always loved filmmaking since I was a young kid I had you know gone a lot to the cinema and the theater and 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 all of it and I realized when I was working kind of in that context that I wanted to make a film myself that I wanted to get into this business and then when I started to think about the stories and what what did I have to tell what kind of stories did I want to communicate then it became clear to me that I wanted to, to, to talk about female sexuality, that that was kind of a key factor in my creative process. At the beginning, I was not so clear on that it was going to be explicit. I was I was thinking more kind of erotic. But then when I got, got into writing the script, I realized that I wanted to try to make it explicit. I wanted to see if it was possible to do what I was kind of dreaming about and that I hadn't been really able to find on, you know, on the market. And um, and that's how I ended up making The Good Girl. And one of the things I know that you're very passionate about is it. it's important that we pay for our porn because obviously the big porn industry that we have been speaking about you can get it free of charge and you can see everything and you don't need to pay why do you think it's important that we are paying for our porn because it's the only way of being sure that we are paying the people who are making it the people who are putting their 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 bodies and their passion and their work into this because porn is work uh, and I think that we need to understand that. We need to value it because if we don't value it, it's just like it's some kind of trash that whoever could use and do whatever they want with. This is important. It's important to understand that the people, if you like porn, you should support the people who are making it. Remember that these big companies, big porn kind of, you know, the same way as, as you heard of expressions like big food or big fashion or big pharma, etc. They are big conglomerates. They don't care about the sex. They don't care about representing human sexuality in the best possible way. They don't care about the, the 
the, the, the film values, the cinematic values. They don't care about trying to pay the performers as well as possible or the, or the crew who's making that, that film. And I think that this is the same. If we want a better food industry, if we don't believe in the industrialized kind of big food companies who are not caring really about the food that they are selling to us, they are not caring about the nutrients, they are not caring about how they are treating the animals, etc., then I don't want to support their business model. I don't want to support the way they are making stuff. So then I don't buy from them. Uh, I don't use my time, you know, going to to uh, online tube sites where I feel that their values do not align with my values, where I see the way that they really that they treat uh, women. I mean, my my films, they are uploaded there sometimes by people we don't know whoever they are. And sometimes they are cut into pieces where, you know, the, the whole kind of narrative, the whole film, uh, you can't see it. It's just the sex scene. They have cut and they have uploaded and then they are rebranding it, renaming it with their kind of sexist language instead of using the, the proposed titles that I am offering. And I just think that it's very important for people to understand that the people who are working in porn, that they are real people. They are people who need to be able to pay their apartments, who have kids, who need to be able to pay the schools, the food, etc and they need to be respected for the work that they are doing if you are consuming porn you are part of the porn industry whether you like it or not like an idea you are because as a consumer you are voting with not only with your money but with your time with your clicks so if you go to those sites you are voting for them for their vision of sex yes absolutely and I mean, my main thing is I don't know if the people in that program are being exploited, if they're doing it uh, because of their own free will. It just feels very icky to me. And that is not what you want when you are trying to get pleasure. You know, you don't want to feel icky about it. No, you want to feel safe about it. You want to feel that you are in a space that feels like a safe space where you can concentrate on yourself and your sexuality, right? And I, a tip that I can give to people when they are surfing for porn is, it's easy. Check if there's an about page. Can you learn something about that company? Who's the owners? Uh, are there, you know, is there a picture and a name of someone? Because if you are proud of what you are making, the way I am, I am proud proud of what we are making. So I don't have any problem to show my face, to talk to you in an interview, to explain to you how we are making it, etc. I want to show our audience how we make our films. So for us, it's very important to have making offs that they can watch behind the scenes so people can see what is happening behind the scenes. So they can, you know, watch an interview with a performer to get an idea of who are they. That's actually one of my favorite things about your company, X Confessions. I'm an avid viewer of. I love the well-roundedness of the humanness of the people who I see. And I love that. You know, it's not just a one-dimensional, only sexual being. You actually get to know them a little bit. And I think that's that's incredible. I'm 
thrilled to announce that the most comfortable knickers in the world, Stripe and Stare, are supporting Feeling Yourself. When I want to be comfortable in my own skin and empowered, it always starts with good underwear. We all know the feeling of wearing uncomfortable knickers, pulling them out of your bum every two minutes, not being able to concentrate because of scratchy fabric cutting in. Well, not for bums in Stripe and Stare. And I have an exclusive discount for you if you keep listening. Did you know only 3% of the underwear market is sustainably sourced? which is not a great start for something we wear all the time. Stripe and Stare knickers are not only described by over 90% of their customers as the most comfortable knickers in the world, they are also great for the planet too, as they are sourced from beechwood trees, are softer than cotton, and also use 95% less water in their production. You will also be glad to know... Stripe and Stare make essential wear and sleepwear too, all from the same soft as a cloud, sustainable fabrics, which I'm adding to my basket next. I have my eye on this lovely tie-dye number. Banish that knicker guilt and shed your underwear shame with Stripe and Stare. And you can get 20% off your next purchase with the code FEELINGYOURSELF. And one last big thank you to the comfiest knickers in the world, Stripe and Stare, for giving me the most comfortable bum and always helping me feel myself. Now, listen, when I was um, researching for this podcast, I did a little search on Instagram and I've been following Erica last, but I noticed that your your page has been taken down and it was a very successful page I think you had a lot of followers tell me what what happened there Mm -hmm. half half a million and it got taken down yeah and it was and it was certified you know and they knew who we were and what we were posting and I mean we were following the guidelines we were very very careful about not posting anything not posting anything that you cannot do etc uh, it was taken down I think in in uh, the end of April beginning of May sometime one day it was you know closed down wow. and obviously it has to do with the, with the activity that we do and this is not just happening to me it's happening to lots of people in the in the sex community lots of sex workers lots of performers lots of sex educators so um it's 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 really sad yeah it is really sad i've noticed that the accounts that talk about sex from women or from less represented groups seem to be being penalised more than the kind of traditional male gaze, you know, white heteronormative sex um, or porn that we're seeing, which is, I mean, that just really fucking pisses me off. It really does. Um, what what can we do about that? What are you doing about that? I mean, I think that what we need here is really for more women to get more power in the world. We need more women to have powerful places online, to get involved in tech, to get involved in, 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 in the entrepreneur world, to make companies, to be seen and be heard and you know, just be out there, really. Absolutely. Yes. 
So I know, um, like me, you are a mother. I've got two girls. And one of my concerns in, in what I do is I am always thinking about how, uh, what I say and what I do. Because, you know, I show quite a lot of skin on social media. I talk about um, women owning their pleasure and, you know, claiming it. So I, I, I often think about how that will affect my kids. And I worry about, you know, the mums at school and what they think. And will they be think, speaking to their children and saying, don't play with her children because you know what her mum does. How do you navigate that? And, and, and is that a concern for you? How, how old are your kids? Uh, nine and 13. Okay. Okay. So here we are all about similar. Mine, 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 one is turning 15 next, uh, next week. And the little one is turning 12 in, in October. So now we are not even talking about kids anymore. These are our young teens, you know, uh, and it's very exciting. I find it so exciting to see them grow up and who they are becoming and the values that I see in them. And I have to tell you that, yeah, I've been worried also when I when I became a mom in the beginning and I was thinking, oh, my God, and I'm, I'm this porn director and, and, and maybe there will be parents who will feel nervous with who I am, etc. And then I had a really first great experience when my, my first one, she was three years old and she started school and I was pregnant at that time with the second one. And another mother asked my uh, partner, she said, uh, so what do you do? You know, and we were a little nervous about it. So he started soft, you know, he started like, oh, we have a film company you know and she's like oh film company so any film you might know you know the typical kind of questions and, and he's like well you know it's it's an erotic films and and, and yeah. you know and she's like oh what kind of films and 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 he's like ah oh, yeah so for you know films <laughs> kind of ethical films for women and for couples and you know he didn't really know what to say at that point and then she said like Erica last and he went, no way. That's my wife. <laughs> That's how it started for me. So instead of being all nervous, she was the mom who introduced me to the, all the moms in the class saying like, hey, oh, I love Erica that. is in this group and you have to watch her films and she's great. But this is again, this is liberal Barcelona. You know, I'm very lucky. I'm very happy. But I honestly, I had very good experiences. But then I also been the the difficult parents sometimes I, I went to you know to talk to the teachers I went to talk to the principal I went to the school and I was complaining because I didn't feel they had the sex education that they deserved I've been you know proposing that maybe you need to 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 hire someone can we organize a workshop I feel that this is not good enough and sometimes you can get a little tired of that we have to fight so much all the time because sometimes it's just please let let us just be and and do but it's it's not the possibility we we keep we need to keep on fighting for for a better future for we our do. kids that started yes. this project also uh, uh, a few years ago called uh, the pornconversation.org it's a site online where parents and educators can find information about how to talk to their kids about porn because what i realized is that most people didn't have great sex education themselves and their parents never talked to them. So they have no experience and they have no idea 
how to talk about porn. But then the information that I have from statistics, etc., tells me that most kids today from an age of 12, they have watched porn. But even as young as eight or nine, some kids are starting maybe not to watch it, like going online and, and, and watching it for hours and hours, but kind of stumble upon it, seeing reference to it. And I think that as parents, we cannot longer kind of pretend that it doesn't exist. And we have given our kids technology. Obviously, they have access to it. They are looking for it. So as a parent, you need to talk to your kids about porn. Yes, you absolutely. I 100% agree with you. And it's one of my passions too. But just going back, um, I'm I'm moving to Barcelona, by the way, because um, <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I need to. The, the other day, I had an, an incident uh, where I went over to a group of mums talking and then they suddenly stopped talking and it was very awkward. And, and I just ended up leaving because... I don't know why they took a disliking to me. Maybe it's to do with my um, social media. I don't know. Who knows? But what, like you, one of my passions is sex education. I feel like there's a whole generation, especially where I live, of people around my, my age who didn't get good sex education. So I'm all about the re-education of sex for adults. And I because I think... The, one of the most common questions I get is how do I talk to my children about sex and about porn and what is the right age and I'm like you've just got to start just start any tiny little bit and it gets easier the more you talk about it the easier it gets but there's a whole generation of us who I feel are a bit repressed and we find it very shameful very difficult there is you know, a whole lot of shame attached to sex. And, you know, just for example, we don't call a vulva a vulva, a vagina a, you know, a vagina. We have all these different names for it. And I'm like, let's teach kids the proper names for our anatomy because it's very important to take away the shame. So, yeah, this is one of my passions and I love, and I'd love to hear your views on how you talk to kids about sex. And, and for them, just being able to pronounce the words, because if they never have done that, you don't even know kind of how to use it in a sentence. And if you can't use it in a sentence, then how are you going to talk about yourself and your own sexuality and, and giving consent to things and being able to communicate if something doesn't feel right, etc. So yes, the most basic, the start of it is anatomy, obviously. Everything about sex, it should be from the beginning when they are babies, you know, you should be able to, to, to just start talking to them while they are growing up when they are starting to touch themselves. I mean, any human being starts by trying to touch themselves to, to because you feel something when you touch. It feels good. feels good, exactly. So they start doing that. And then they're, in most cases, they're, that's the situation where the first shame starts, especially on young girls, because there's so many parents and especially mothers telling them, do not touch yourself. Yes. And instead of doing that, they should have another approach where they say, look, 
Maybe you shouldn't do it in the living room. Maybe not in front of grandmother. You know, this is, this is, I know it feels good and you, you should explore your body, but do it in your own room, in your privacy, etc. to make sure that, that they understand the space and the place where you should, you, you should do uh, this kind of explorations. Uh, and then sex is something that just keeps happening to us. We should incorporate it in our daily kind of conversations. You can talk about it at the dinner table. You can talk about it when you're driving them to football training. You could talk about it, you know, when when someone is visiting and telling story. I think stories are really good. I think it's really interesting if you telling something about someone else that happened to, you know, uh, like, like we do sometimes where we are to, to, to telling stories about our friends and sometimes the friend is your, your, you yourself, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I could literally talk to you all day. I know you talk about this all the time and, you know, this is your thing, but honestly... And you do too, but we love it, so... <laughs> I love it! And look how passionate we are about it. But we do have to wrap up. So just to wrap up, I am going to give you some quick fire questions. Um, right. So what is your most awkward or embarrassing sexual experience? I saw this question before and I, I just went, oh, my God, I have no clue what to answer to that. Because, I've, you know, I've been shooting films now for 20 years. I've seen... I've seen a bed breaking down while I was shooting, you know, people having sex on it. It was a crazy moment, for example. But, but, and, and then on a personal level, I don't even know because I don't feel, for me, sex is not something that is awkward, I guess. Exactly. One of the things I had to learn was that sex is messy. It's funny. It's dirty. It's awkward. It's, you know, all of those things, just like life is. So let's stop trying to do the best performance we think we should and be a perfect sexual partner. It doesn't work like Mm -mm. that. Mm-mm. No, and also, and also, you know, sometimes you wanna you wanna try out new things, and then maybe it doesn't feel that good. Maybe you wanna try a role play that looked really sexy in a film, and then suddenly you are putting on the the dress or 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 the, the uniform or or the lingerie or whatever it is, and you look at yourself and you go, "Hey, I don't think I'm gonna be able to do this." Yeah. Next, next one. Uh, most embarrassing celebrity crush. Do you have one? I don't know if it's embarrassing, but <laughs> but it's because what what would embarrassing mean? Embarrassing would mean that I'm I'm a little like like oh my god I can't believe I'm into this person. But but I have I have a celebrity crush that I had since I was a little girl, and it's a Swedish actor because I saw him. He was a child actor. Uh, when I was young and his name is Alexander Skarsgård and I know that today he's a famous actor but he was already a crush when I was like 12 you know I was And I still, I still, I, I, I would, I would get nervous if I would, you know, see him suddenly. Well, I'm wishing that for you. <laughs> um, tell me one of your turn ons and your turn offs. Uh, turn ons. Um, turn ons. I really love intelligence. I love communication i love when i feel that there's a super connection where i'm talking to someone that i find you know very passionate 
passionate about something or or someone who's really kind of good at 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 making interesting connections and and analyzing things and making me see perspectives that I might not have seen before for me that is I, I think lots of my turn-ons and turn-offs I mean turn-offs is kind of toxic masculinity mm. I can't stand when I hear kind of so sort of chauvinistic comments or when I, I I see people who are just you know joking at things that I don't find funny or I think is offensive or do you challenge them yeah I try to do that I try to be I try to be an active feminist I call it and it's it's uh, you know when I see situations I try to interact and tell my point of view and what I don't enjoy or what I don't like about it. And I do that even with people close to me, you know, uh, that I I respect 100% and I love. I mean, I, I can do it sometimes with my father, you know, who's from another generation and who is a very kind of open person and 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 trying to be his best version, etc. But sometimes, you know, Things comes through, and then I feel like I need to get in there. I can be a little annoying sometimes. <laughs> well, that's what I, I I think I've got the label of people think I'm difficult, or I like to contradict or or challenge people, and I, and I, it's very important to me. But I think people sometimes find that quite difficult. <laughs> Uh, oh well it is what it is Erica it has been so wonderful thank you so much for giving up your time to speak to me thank you so much for listening to Feeling Yourself I really hope that by sharing my story and those of my guests, we can further the conversation around shedding shame and start to prioritise our pleasure collectively. I have loved hearing everyone's responses to my book. Oh my God, it was so difficult to write, but ultimately very, very healing. And hearing all of your amazing feedback has just made it even more worthwhile. And Stripe and Stare have also kindly offered to give away a box of four of the most incredible knickers to one of our listeners each week. All you need to do is tag me on Instagram at StyleMeSunday with your copy of my book and I'll pick one of you at random each week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a great review. It really helps others to find us and could help someone else on their journey to shed their shame too. I'll see you next time. Until then, I hope you all enjoy feeling yourself.